Good morning. Before we get started, um, please open up your bulletin and you'll find a little half sheet of paper that looks like this. It says Reboot on the top of it. Uh, we are doing things a little bit different with our sermon outlines this year. Um, we are wanting to, uh, to put on one side what you've come used to using, uh, major points and fill in the blanks and uh, the, uh, the small group questions we will be down at the bottom. But one of the things that we're changing this year, and this morning uh, you're just going to have a very kind of a simple example of what this is going to be like through the, the coming years, but we're going to call this the MPG page. It means Memorize, Pray, and Glorify. And there will be a passage that um, if a memorization of Scripture, which should be important to everyone, is something that you really like to do. Uh, this morning, for instance, we're going to ask you to memorize Titus chapter 3, verses through, uh, 4 through 7. And we're also going to give you some things to pray over. There's, uh, there's three of them this morning. And then the idea of what we do with that, the, the Scripture that has been placed in our heart that we've memorized, that we meditate on, that's a part of the way that we think about the world from here on out and the things that we're praying about and, and uh, that, that pertain to the sermon and to that Scripture, you know, they hopefully will lead us to want to do something in the community, in our church, with the people next door to us, the people we're friends with, the people that, that, uh, that we run into on a daily basis. And sometimes there's this God moment where there, a casual conversation turns into something a little bit more important and more profound. And so there's going to be a couple of ways. They're just hints. Of, and, and sometimes there'll be some very specific things that we would like to see you do or want you to be a part of. But this week, there's going to be three ways that you might be able to take some of this information this morning and glorify God this week as we go out as salt and go out as light in the community. And so those are the, uh, the things that we're going to be finding new in the, uh, in the outlines over the coming months. And I hope that it's a blessing to your life and that you'll use these to grow in Christ. Now, before we get into the message, let's ask God to bless us. Uh, Father, you are you're marvelous, and you're great, and you're majestic, and you are so beyond us, and yet you find a way for your love to come streaming into our hearts, poured into our hearts through your, your Spirit, and we are blessed. And the blessing that we experience in our life with you there's a blessing that we want to share with everyone. And yet, Father, we know that there are those that think that that's impossible or they don't know how to do it. And so we pray that the things that we think about this morning will be a way for us to be able to share our life and how you've impacted it and how you've changed it and how we can share the words of the gospel with the people around us in this community. And so we ask you this morning, Father, to give us eyes that see and ears that hear that we might become more deeply discipled in the life of your son, Jesus. And this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever noticed that when you don't need an IT guy, he's a nerd. But when you do need them, all of a sudden they're an IT guru. Now, I'm not an IT guru. I'm the guy that's always needing the IT guru. And what I've learned from these guys is that and gals, is that it comes that when it comes to resolving a computer issue, the first step is to what? Reboot. Now a typical dialogue with me and an IT guy is this. Me, I've got a problem with my computer. It seems to be bogging down. Guru, did you reboot? Me, not yet. 
But here's what I think the problem is. Guru interrupting me, you need to reboot the computer. Me, how do you know if you don't know what the problem is? Guru, you're the problem if you don't reboot. I love that line. In fact, let's say that together. You're the problem if you don't reboot. Let's say it again. You're the problem if you don't reboot. So, what does it mean to reboot? Here's a definition. To reboot a computer is to shut down the computer in order to unload all the device drivers, close all the programs, and restart the operating system. What? I mean, if you're, if you're just having to be sitting next to somebody that's kind of chuckling right now, I can tell you why they're laughing. They're looking at me and they're going, that cat does not have a clue as to what he just said. And that's true, nerd. <laughs> but this is what I do know. The computer needs to stop. It, it, it's got to get rid of some things. It needs to stop doing some things. It needs to start doing some other things in order for it to start operating again. Rebooting your computer is what makes it operational again. Now, here's the reason we're talking about all of that. Human life is a lot like that. You sense that your life is bogging down. You sense that you're not getting anywhere, that, that your life is going nowhere. We try to change, and what happens? We try to change, and we just get back to the same old, same old. Those present bad relationships look like the past bad relationships. That present credit card debt looks like the old credit card debt. Those present destructive emotions look like the old credit look, looks like the old destructive emotions. The present uh, problems with co-workers look like the past problem with co-workers. The, the present addictions look like the old addictions. That present trouble with our mouth and our words and what we say look like the past trouble with our mouth and our words and what we say. Those present frustrations look like a continuation of those old frustrations. The present bad habits look like the old bad habits. And you just get to a place where you go, is there ever going to be a chance for me to change? Will life be ever different? Am I going to be ever, 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 ever able to turn over a new leaf? So to everyone who has ever struggled like that, there is a guru in heaven who is saying over and over a million times every day that you got to reboot your life. And here's the big truth for today. And by the way, I refer to God as guru. I don't believe that God is a nerd. Here's the big truth for today. God will give you a new life where you think you only need a leaf. God will give you a new life where you think you only need a leaf. In other words, God can take your old past and make a new future. But it involves accepting three truths about being a human, which means accepting three truths about yourself and all humans. Truth number one is this. You are broken. You're broken. It doesn't matter how much money you have in, the, in your bank account. It doesn't matter the kind of clothes you wear, the, the kinds of degrees that you might have. It doesn't matter the trophies or the plaques or the certificates that you have on the wall. Those things have only been given to you by broken people who recognize that you're the cream of the crop of other broken people. Admitting that you're broken is not the end of the world. In fact, the Bible is full of broken people. Think about Adam. Adam disobeys God and then he blames Eve for all of the trouble. Cain denies that he's angry with his brother Abel all the way up to the point that he murders him. Moses takes motor, uh, matters into his own hands and is on the lamb for 40 years. 
David is the king who commits adultery during a midlife crisis. John, who the apostle John, is the, the apostle of love, right? He writes some of the most profound things ever written about what it means to love another human, the love of God, what it means for the community of God to love each other and to love the world. And yet, here is the apostle of love who in an earlier day wanted to burn down a village because they didn't like Jesus. Paul is crazy zealous over all the wrong things. Peter continually puts his foot in his mouth. I mean, he does that so often you think his nickname is Chocolate Foot. It must taste good or something. And at least on one occasion, the way he thinks is more like Satan than it is Jesus. And then there's John Mark on that first missionary journey. And, you know, he's supposed to be tough. He's supposed to hang in there with his comrades, and he just chickens out. And so Paul, in Romans chapter 3, I mean, this, the idea that human beings are broken is found all over the Bible. And one of the places where Paul really spells this out is found in Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. He says, For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike, which, that means everybody in the world, are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. That's not good. There is no one who understands, not good. There is no one who seeks God, not good. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. Not good. There is no one who does good. Not even one. Not good at all. Their throats are open graves. Yuck. Their tongues practice deceit. Not good. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Not good. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Not in any way good. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Paul is just using Scripture from the Old Testament to say that there is brokenness in human beings. They're broken, they're broken, they're broken, they're broken. It's not good, it's not good, it's not good, it's not good. And not only are human beings broken, but that leads us to truth number two, which is this. Your history is repeatable. Your history is repeatable. We have all heard, I mean, all of our lives we have heard that the value of knowing history is so that it will not be repeated. So if knowing history is a key, why is it repeated time and time and time again? I mean, how, when's the last time? I mean, think about how many times in your entire life you go, I can't believe I did that again. What was I thinking? We can't help but repeat our histories. And people who do not accept the fact that they are broken will inevitably repeat their histories of mistakes. I mean, this is a, uh, something that good parents will help their children to understand. You know, the next time as a mom and dad, you give your teenager son uh, or, or teenage daughter some advice, and they say, I know, what do you think? I'm stupid. Say to them, you're not stupid, but you are broken i've known you all your life and you're broken and this is one of the things that until we get to this place where we understand what it means to be a human being we will not understand how to reboot our life and this is one of the reasons why peter saying peter chapter one says i will always remind you of these things why does he need to remind them because they know it and sometimes they don't practice it he says even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have I will continually remind you of these facts. So is there any good news? That's truth number three. 
that God wants to reboot your life. Paul is, is writing to this young fella on the island of Crete. His name is, is Titus. And the island of Crete is one of those places that is just not all that easy to work with. Uh, the, the people there, I mean, even one of their own philosophers, who knew themselves very well, one of their uh, philosophers described them as a people that are always lying, always evil. They're a bunch of lazy brutes, and they are known to overeat. So if you invite them over to the house, buyer beware. These are people in desperate need of accepting the fact, if there's ever going to be a change, that they are broken. And Paul, towards the end of this letter to Titus, he says, you know, at one time, we too, we too were foolish, we were disobedient, we were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions, all kinds of pleasures. We lived in malice and we lived in envy. We were hated and we were hating one another. And Paul, after quoting this philosopher in the first chapter, in the third chapter, saying, yeah, I mean, we were all like that. We were all like Cretans. And so you want to ask the question, then, well, Titus is there, and what is, what is it that, that Paul is going to give to him in order for Titus and for the people that are on the island of Crete to have some hope whatsoever that things can be different? And that's where the change happens in verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done. We can't do the righteous things because we are what? Broken. But it was because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, which is the, the language of baptism, renewal by the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us, generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. When God reboots your life, He begins with a rebirth. If you've got a Bible, circle that word rebirth in Titus chapter 3, verses 4-7. through seven. He begins with a rebirth. God, God gives you a new life where you think you only need a new leaf. And so there comes this point where, you know, after, after some years, you begin to see that it's the same old pattern, that you're just doing the same thing over and over again. It's the, the problem with the relationship, the problem with jobs, the, the problem with money, the problem with your self-esteem that leads you into certain kinds of behaviors and addictions. It just keeps going on and on and on. And regardless of how hard you try, you find it's just the same old, same old, same old, same old. And that's why a new leaf will not work. Jesus gives you a new life. And so there comes that point where you see the need for the change. And we're going to talk about that more in detail next week. But what you're seeing is the need for a new direction because you're broken. That something has to change because as a human being, you're broken. That something has to give because you're broken. And it's not going to be a quick fix because you're utterly broken and you're tired of repeating over and over and over the same mistakes and you realize that you're broken. And you decide, okay... Maybe it's not up to me. Maybe the solution is not between these two hands or between these two ears, but it's what Jesus can do for me. And so you decide that you're going to trust God, that you're going to believe in God, you're going to believe the words that God is speaking to you, and you're going to have faith in God that maybe, as Scripture has said, God is kind. 
That maybe God is love and maybe He is merciful and maybe, just maybe, He is going to give me that new life where I think over the years and been trying to do so, I've just been trying to turn over a new leaf. And then you experience the rebirth. It's baptism. Paul describes it, this baptism as a washing of rebirth. He calls it in Romans 6, participating in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. In Acts 2, it's about sins being forgiven. In another place, it's the pledge of a good conscience or a clean conscience towards God. And, and having experienced that rebirth, that newness of life, you are given the Holy Spirit, which brings about a renewal in your life. More on that later this month. And if that describes you this morning, and you realize you're sitting there and you're going, you know what? What he's talking about has been a description of my life. That it just seems like every time I try to do something different, it goes awry. I try as hard as I can to do the right thing, to do the good thing, to be a good person, to, to be the right kind of person, and it just seems like I keep straddling that, that, that fence, and it seems that I fall off on the wrong side, and it's just the same old, same old, same old. I'm telling you this morning that if that describes you, you don't need a new leaf. What you need is a new life. And that is what is given to you by Jesus of Nazareth. You know, back a couple of months ago, I was in Brazil visiting uh, Mark Dye and, and Justin Hill and their families. And uh, Mark and I had an opportunity to sit down for an hour or so with a, uh, an older gentleman. And as I was writing those words, older gentleman, I realized the guy was the same age as me. <laughs> and we sit down, except he didn't have the, the classic white beard. Uh, older gentleman whose wife had just left him. And uh, part of the reason she left him is because over the years of their marriage, she had told him a, a number of times that things need to change. It needs to be different. Need to change. Need to change. Need to change. And he just would not accept it. He would not take responsibility for all the things that needed to change in, change in his life and in her life and their life. And although his wife loved him, she had left him. And so we're sitting up in his apartment overlooking the, uh, the ocean, and he's just devastated. And as we sat there, he, he just kept saying, it's over, it's over, it's over, she's gone, she's gone. And I kept saying to him, now acaba ate acabar. Now acaba ate acabar. It's not, it, it, it ain't over until it's over. Is what that kind of loosely means. You can change, and she can change, and the marriage can change because the God that Mark and I believe in is a God of indescribable love. He is a God of unending mercy, of, of bottomless power that comes streaming into our lives. He is a God of unparalleled forgiveness and a second-to-none commitment to being the difference maker in humans their history, their relationship, and their future. And the last I heard, this is some four or five months later, they're trying to reconcile. But what this guy is doing is beginning to consider all the ways that his life needs to change and how God needs to be the author of those changes. You know, this is the reputation. This, this is, should be part of the reputation of our church. 
that when we interact with people on a daily basis in all of the places that we interact with people all over the city, there should be in our conversations, there should, there, there should, be, there should be salted in, in all of our words and all of our interactions this idea that these people at the MacArthur Park Church of Christ represent a God who makes change, positive change, beautiful change, loving change, at times a painful change, but He makes change available and makes it real and makes it a part of reality to the, to the people of this city and the people of this world. That should be a part of our reputation because we're literally surrounded by people who are broken, who need their lives because they've bogged down to be rebooted. We represent the God who is the King of changed lives. We represent the God who is the author of the one and only rebirth that makes a difference for all of eternity. We represent the God who is the giver of grace and second chances. And we speak it because we're the, we, we're the ones that have experienced all of that. And we represent the God who takes broken humans and makes them beautiful again for all of eternity. And this morning, that can happen to you. I'm here to tell you that if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. And there are other people in this church that can say, if God's grace can stream into my life to change me, where that person 30 years ago, 40 years ago, doesn't even exist anymore, it can happen to you. But all it takes, all it takes is that step to say, I am broken and I can't fix myself. I can't fix myself. I need help. And I need something beyond another human being to help me. You need God. You need to, to, to put your trust in God, your faith in God, your belief in God. And you need to experience that rebirth after you've confessed that I'm not going to be the king of my life anymore, but He is going to be the king of my life. You're baptized and you, you participate in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection so that you are raised up to a new life. And that Holy Spirit comes into your life because you can't do it on your own. And God doesn't expect you to do it on your own, but He's giving you that Spirit to empower you to become a person of love and a person of peace and a person of kindness and a person of self-control of all things. And if that describes you this morning, we're going to have some shepherds down here at the front. We want you to come down and talk to them as we stand and we praise God together.